from the creators of Relevant Magazine. This is the Relevant Podcast. Friday, October 14th, 2016, and it's the Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and this week's show is brought to you by Casper, a sleep brand that created one perfect mattress sold directly to consumers, eliminating commission-driven inflated prices. Its award-winning sleep surface has a sleek design and is delivered in a small, how-do-they-do-that sized box. <laughs> in addition to the mattress, Casper also offers an adaptive pillow and soft, breathable sheets. They I need are, a pillow. They are revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and showrooms and passing that savings directly to the consumer. Tell me more about these pillows. The pillow is unbelievable. I gotta get one. I I'm have not, the I'm worst not, I'm not kidding. I, Cohen has the Casper mattress in the house yeah. and the Casper yeah. sheets and the Casper pillow. Yeah. And I'm telling you story time is heavenly. Now I'm a stomach sleeper so I need a pillow that has a little bit of <laughs> like I'm I'm getting to the specifics of the pillow. Wait, wait, just wait, like, when you're on your stomach you still use a pillow? You don't go straight to mattress? I, that's kind mm-mm, of weird. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. Wait do you turn your head to the side or is this yeah. a face down situation? No because I don't want to I don't want to die right. while I sleep but yeah so I turn my head to the side. Okay. Stomach. So, you know, tummy down, head to the side on the pillow. But I need a pillow that has firmness, but a little bit of give. Real smush. Real smush, but it doesn't go flat. This is what I'm saying. That's the Casper pillow. I'm yeah. telling you. Time Magazine named Casper Mattress one of the best inventions of 2015. It's an award-winning mattress that won't disappoint. It combines springy latex and supportive memory foam to create the award-winning That's sleep surface. That's what it is, is that memory foam is what I got to have. It has just the right sink and just the right bounce. I can attest mm-hmm. to this. I've seen relevant podcast listeners yeah. tweet about how satisfied they are with their Casper mattress. That is true. Pillows have been a huge problem for me. Casper <laughs> has free shipping and returns to the U.S. and Canada, and you can try Casper for 100 nights risk-free in your own home. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you everything. And if it matters to you, these things are made in America. Right now, relevant podcast listeners, you can get $50 uh, toward any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash relevant and using promo code relevant terms and conditions apply. One more question. Yeah. Can you order just pillows or pillows yes. and add on item? The $50 uh, only is for a mattress purchase, but okay. you can go to casper.com slash relevant and, and they have great deals and free shipping for pillows, sheets, everything. Their sheets are fantastic. There's no reason why it's not called Casper the friendly mattress. <laughs> oh, I got that. Casper, hey, the I, guest. I, I will say this. There is a reason, and they made the right decision there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like I said, I'm your host, Cameron, and here with me in our Orlando studios, Eddie Big Cat Coffee. Yes, getting the band Welcome back together. Back. Thank you. Over there ah. on the ones and twos, our producer, my brother, Chandler Strang. Hello. On the Skype line from mm-hmm. Loverland, Virginia, it's Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. And all the way from Portland, Oregon, back again, Joy Egret-Reed. Joy Bam Bam Egret-Reed. Present. Her hair is looking very much yeah, like a Flintstones like character. Bam, bam. Yeah, I was inspired. On the uh, show today, we have a great show coming up. Uh, coming up, uh, we talked to the new host of Prairie Home Companion, yes. Chris Steely. He takes over this weekend yes. for yeah. Garrison Keeler, and he's on the show today. This is the best. I've been a well, Nickel uh, Nickel Creek. Mm-hmm. I almost said Nickelback. Yeah, no. Not at all. Yeah. Nickel Creek fan <laughs> since they were right. really on. Then Punch Brothers, yeah. who I love. Yeah. And I've been listening to Prairie Home Companion since I was 
was a kid. Yeah. So the fact that he's on this yeah. is very exciting Mind to me. Blown. Yeah. Mind blown. And, and I don't want to give too much away with the interview, but I had so much fun talking to him because he is a deep guy that's concerned not just about good music, but also uh, religion and faith and the legacy of something like Prairie Home Companion. The, the, uh, like uh, Garrison Keillor, just for a little context, recently retired. He created the show back. It's been on the air since the 60s, right? Uh, he's handed over to Chris Thiele, who's in his you know mid-30s, who wants to do a lot of like fresh things and bring in his first musical guest is Jack White, which is not the type of artist you would typically tune in to hear on Prairie Home Companion. But he's taking the show in a really interesting direction that uh, I think people in our audience is, is going to be really excited to hear from him about. How do you think how do you think like the voice transition is going to be? Because I feel like Garrison has such a unique <laughs> voice that people love does this guy have a great voice he's I mean, co- obviously he's a singer but he's hosted a few times already and kind of in preparation for this yeah. it's cl- clearly a different sound i don't know if he's going to do like late he's be still gone. a heavy nose breather like garrison that was that was the requirement <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, still, he still talks like this mm. <laughs> that's the worst garrison keeler i've ever heard brought to you by the ketchup advisory board <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good <laughs> and the buttermilk biscuits <laughs> it's perfect i nailed it hey cameron Jokes on you. That was a clip from Garrison Keillor. So <laughs> Garrison's on the line. Uh, also coming up later. Uh, well, we have some fun news and house news. We have a couple new members on our editorial team, and they will. Uh, we're going to get to know them a little bit later. Yeah. Uh, Rebecca and Chelsea, and, uh, and and you know this week was a big week. This is a big week in the presidential debate yeah. arena. Okay. There was a town <laughs> hall. There was a town hall earlier yeah, where the audience yeah. could ask questions, right? Mm-hmm. And we thought that there was some unfinished it. business. I thought it was a good There was a lot of things that they didn't get to. I knew what they were going to say for every question. Right? We're, we're going to pick up the baton where they left it off. And uh, Chelsea Steele, one of the new members of our team, is going to join us. And we are going to have the relevant podcast, Town Hall 2, The Reckoning, all yeah. the questions that Ken Bone didn't have the guts to ask. And she's going to be soliciting all the questions from you guys, our listeners, and bringing them to the podcast crew. And we're going to solve them. We're going to solve America today. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Chelsea will be joining us uh, for that one. But, w- you know, whenever new people join the team, especially ones that will appear on the podcast, whether it be in interviews or segments or, or whatever, uh, we w- we want to take a moment to get to know them. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, uh, we thought we'll meet Chelsea later in the show, but yeah. we thought it'd be good to bring in uh, Rebecca Flores, and uh, who's our new managing editor here at Relevant, and get to know her a little bit. Welcome, Rebecca. Thanks, Cameron. Excited to be here. So we have a we have a few questions for you. We we feel like since you're going to be like on you know and you're now in the ecosystem and and the audience is going to be hearing you from time to time, uh, they should get to know you. And 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 Eddie and Joy and Jesse have some questions for you. Okay, cool. What were you doing before Relevant? I was uh, in New York City for five years, and over there I was uh, doing editorial work. Um, we're living in Brooklyn. Oh. And just got back to Orlando, so I'm reconciling my southern roots now. Oh, well, cool. Brooklyn's she, so cool. She was at a warehouse party <laughs> in Bushwick recently. I was <laughs> living <laughs> the hipster dream. Yeah. You're not letting that go. <laughs> Did you see the uh, the Statue of Liberty? <laughs> no, I missed that one. You really yeah. did. Yeah, it's a bummer. I caught the Empire State. Have you heard of that one? I have not. That must be like a Brooklyn thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's underground. That's awesome. Re- Rebecca, what's who's the most notable person you you met traversing the streets of New York? Oh, cool question. Oh man. Um I saw Carly Kloss on the subway, Meg Ryan, 
Meg Ryan. Ryan, yeah. that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, right by NYU. So it felt very like nineteen nineties uh, Meg Ryan. Oh, you were like a, you were you were like heading into like Fox Bookstore, and she was at the around the corner yeah. bookstore. Yeah, no. <laughs> I like that movie. I like that movie in, too. In those yeah. scenarios, yeah. do you do you just like leave them be? Do you try to make eye contact? Do you hug? What do you do? So I'm pretty principled when it comes to like celebrities. I cannot bother them. Like I, unless it's John Stewart, which I've like spoken to once Ooh, in how? the Daily Show. Um, I would not ask them for photos, but John Stewart is like my one person that would be like. What, wait, photo. what happened no. when you talk to John Stewart? Or you probably just call him John. <laughs> yeah, John. John and I catch up every once in a while. Um, I was just in the audience, so I just got to ask him a question, and everyone had been like throwing out really intense political questions, and I was like, John, what do you do on your time off when you're not? watching like Bill O'Reilly and like specifically <laughs> give me the location that you like to go to yeah. where, where, where do you do this thing that you like to do and um, he said he's like well I'm 50 so sometimes I like to to bend down and then like get back up <laughs> <laughs> yeah but that was my favorite encounter that's awesome okay my question is I mean I know Orlando is you know the the mecca of all America but um, what do you think you're going to miss about Brooklyn the most is it the culture, the the and warehouse the f- parties, the food? Oh, warehouse parties are so cool. So many raves. The the the, the pizza, Sabaro. Oh yeah, you've been to Sabaro. <laughs> you know what? I I miss walking a lot. So before my walk to the subway and to work would be like forty minutes to and from every day of walking, like minimum. And now it's like three minutes to my car and like a thirty minute drive. Wow, you parked so, pretty far away. You know what? I want to I want to <laughs> challenge you, Rebecca. When I was in Orlando for I think it was our live event. I, you know, I'm like, hey, it's sunny here. I live in Portland where it's rainy a lot. I'll, I'll walk. I can walk to this. There's a Starbucks like a mile and a half from my hotel. Yeah, don't. You were, you were the one person in that five mile radius that was outside. It of was car like program. August. No, I was the only person. It was oh August in Florida. And she texted me yeah. about halfway no. through her walk going. I'm like, I was going to pick her up. And she's like, I'm halfway. To she the collapsed. Ill-advised. Yeah. Ill-advised. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, Re- Rebecca, real quick. Favorite movie, favorite band, favorite book. And don't try to be cool. Be real honest. Because yeah. you yeah. can Meg, always tell. It, it, Meg if Ryan. they all involve okay, Meg okay. Ryan somehow, I'll be impressed. Favorite Meg Ryan movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. I love Love on the waterfront with Marlon Brando. That's like an old school oh, one, what but a perfect City of Angels. Yeah, City of Angels. Kate and Leopold. <laughs> Face off. <laughs> mean Girls. No. Yeah. Um, mean Girls is great. Yeah, that's a good one. Favorite uh, book. Favorite book. I don't have a favorite book. Bible. No, it's not. Left behind. Left behind. <laughs> All right. And what's your, what was Wait, the third one? Hold on. You, you announced at staff meeting, you don't watch TV, you don't watch movies, you read all the time. And you're saying you don't have a favorite book? Yeah, this is true. What's like a book I like, that just... I feel like I can't commit. You know what I mean? I have like, a question. So do you have a book? In the last year, what's a book you've enjoyed? Good That's question. Or, or what's on your nightstand right now? Or what's a book you come back to every once in a while because you just can't not Or let's all it. of us just keep asking variations of the question. <laughs> Name the I title like, of a book so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, what's a book? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. All the books I'm reading right now are like super intense personal development yeah. stuff. Favorite band? Okay, favorite band. Um, I really like... It can be so- re- solo or group, by the way. Vince Staples. North North. <laughs> North That's North. Right. If you say you too, I'm going to be no. so upset. The soundtrack to You've Got Mail. <laughs> <laughs> Not a band, but a uh, heck of a collection of tunes. <laughs> I'm really enjoying Bonnie Bear's new album. I don't oh, know. of course you yeah. are. Because she saw it at his warehouse in Bushwick. It was a secret show. It was so great. Uh, 
Like I know. I want to know what album you were listening to in high school on repeat, and it was CD or whatever. This is just going to continue to get like embarrassing because it was stars and explosions in the sky. This is who I am. I can't help it. Yeah, you are just (laughs) hipster and cool. You don't have any embarrassing band, do you? You like you don't just pop in the cranberry CD every once in a while. Like Eddie, Eddie deeply loves DC Talk, and he loves like Dave Matthews Band. That's his embarrassing band, but he didn't know they're embarrassing. I don't think it's yeah. Yeah, Hold he on. was just informed when he started doing this show that they were embarrassing choices. <laughs> yeah, the guy thought it was pretty cool. No, I really like hip hop too. So yeah, there's that. Same. Yeah, cool. That's why she's on the team. I like <laughs> that about her. Well, it's nice to get to know you. I I think the audience uh, now, um, you know, feels like they know you fully and and they're comfortable with you. So that's good. Yeah. That's Wait, good. did we hear what Rebecca? What your role, like your official title, is that relevant? I'm a managing editor. So she, no, she's the managing the, editor. The, the manager. managing editor. So I'm running all of digital and contributing to the magazine. Yep. Awesome. All Welcome. the content. All the content we're doing uh, goes uh, across her desk. It's a big, very important job. Yeah. We are excited to have her on the team. It's really gonna be awesome. Okay. Uh, moving so along, it's time for our weekly look back at culture and entertainment. It's time for. In case you missed it. In case you missed it, this week, Vince Staples defended the uh, Christian mom who ranted against one of his songs in that viral video that was all over Facebook and stuff. Did you not see this? Mm-mm. Okay, so so yep. uh, last week, a woman who described herself as a Christian mother, uh, she starts this video um, by saying, like, the sort of stuff she listened to is, like, Toby Mac, and, like, you know, like, that's her universe. I don't want to talk about Toby Mac. She uploaded a video online. She then went on an 11-minute rant against the Vince Staples song, North North. The video went viral and was even trending on Facebook. So she's in tears throughout the video <laughs> and said that her young children heard the song on the radio, and then she she read the lyrics out loud explaining how enraged they made her. So even though the radio version of the song was censored and didn't contain profanity, it had numerous references to violence and gang culture. The, the, the hip-hop star responded to this. He, he's been open about his past and some of his music is even cautionary. So he has said, um, previously he said, I don't want anybody to do what I did. I stopped going to school when I was 15. I was broke till I was 20. You don't want to do that. Why would you? Unless you want to become a famous You musician. don't want to see people get shot and die. Uh, you don't That's think true. about it when you're younger, but it's colors all the way down. So your only enemy is the kid you've never seen before because he went to the middle school around the corner from his house. So you finally meet him when you're 16. You think this is what I've been looking for my whole life. Then it's real. Nobody doing nothing in Long Beach but gangbang. So the woman's video about the song went viral and uh, it's been widely criticized and mocked for how emotional she was. It, it was even remixed into its own song. But <laughs> Vince Staples didn't find it funny. He, he spoke out defending the woman. Here's what he said. The woman in that video is clearly confused on the context of the song, which causes her to be frightened. She has a right to her opinion. Uh, No person needs to be attacked for their opinion on what they see to be appropriate for their children. They have a right to it. This misunderstanding of our community leads to miscommunication, which we should convert into a progressive dialogue. And I thought that was a helpful Mm. kind of it is because i mean obviously like the mother in that situation is concerned that her young children are being exposed to music that you know she finds inappropriate but she didn't have the full context you know like a a lot of his music is cautionary as he's explained It, it doesn't necessarily glamorize violence in that lifestyle but it does certainly address it in you know uh sometimes unsettling ways but you know he was like the at the time like the only one on the internet that said hey 
hey guys, this maybe this isn't funny here, you know? Well, it's one of those things like she lives in this bubble and all of a sudden she's like aware, she becomes aware of this thing that she just can't believe exists yeah, and to, she's just like but beside turn, herself. But to turn on a camera and just cry yes. on camera seems like yeah. there's just some other real deep other things happening yeah. that maybe also have come to the surface and this is just a, this is just a, Kind of a but, tr- but, but a it also horse. shows like it, it also shows like the danger of making judgments. And it's not like I'm endorsing Vince Staples album. People can listen to it if they want to engage with it or not, you know, but it's like when, when someone would like when Kendrick was having his moment, I guess, you know, last year during like award season and you would see people who didn't really understand the full context of the album and maybe would listen to a song in isolation, yeah. not realizing that he's, there's a narrative element here and you know, that narrative has, especially in Kendrick's case, you know, is, is striving towards some redemptive note, but it's real and it's honest and it's explaining real experiences. You know, Vince Staples didn't make up the stuff he's, he, that, you know, he's writing about Kendrick, uh, his, his breakout hit on his last album, swimming pools, or it's like, I dive into a swimming pool of liquor, you know, sort of thing. If you just listened to that and didn't really listen to it, you would think he's glamorizing, you know, drinking and partying and things like that. And really what he's doing is it's a very morbid uh, cautionary tale about how alcoholism uh, runs in his family and his uncles and everything like that. And and how like he, he's like trying to like change the course of, of alcoholism in his family. And, but if you just listen to the music or whatever, and don't understand the context, likewise with Vince Staples, if he's given a cautionary tale about the gangbang lifestyle and he's talking about it in explicit terms, you know, and you don't understand what his purpose in the song is, I can understand why you'd be mortified by it. But you know, there's profane music out there. We're not endorsing it, but some of these guys, especially in hip hop right now are, are actually engaging social change and even spiritual themes and stuff like that in explicit ways. But, they're trying to challenge and elevate and change the conversation um, yeah. through their music right now. It's really an interesting moment in hip hop. What's going on? And uh, this crying mom video kind of brought Vince Staples to the forefront or yeah. spotlight. So, yeah. In case you missed it, this is nuts. This this DC. week, the Secretary of Energy was asked by Chelsea Handler on her Netflix talk show about Stranger Things, and he admitted that the government quote works in parallel universes. So the United States Secretary of Energy, his name is Ernest Moniz, and he was a guest on her show. She jokingly asked him about the Stranger Things upside down and the Department of Energy's investigations into it. And he casually admitted, quote, actually, we do work in parallel universes. And then he like caught himself and kind of laughed nervously. Here's, <laughs> here's the clip. I have a curious question for you. I don't know if you ever saw Stranger Things. Have you guys paid attention to this phenomenon? <laughs> Cultural reference. uh, Department of Energy, and they spend a lot of time investigating (laughs) a parallel universe. What can you tell us about that? (laughs) I can tell you first of all that I've never seen it, but but plausible deniability. Secondly, I I believe this uh, fictional DOE laboratory uh, was operating in the 1980s. You can draw whatever inference you wish from that. Uh, Third. I will note that actually we do work in parallel universes. Really? Yes. It was like, wait, what? what? 
And then they don't explain okay. anything. All right, so this took a little bit of a turn. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but it, 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 it turns This is what out. you call a cliffhanger. Yeah, exactly. So uh, he, went, he goes on to explain that uh, though they do work in experimental physics and science, they aren't a sinister organization. Um, so, however, a, a reporter from the Washington Free Beacon served the Department of Energy with a Freedom of Information Act request to figure out just how accurate the show was and if officials were concerned about it. The request resulted in a heavily redacted 163-page packet of memos and emails related to the show. When the reporter tweeted a picture of the massive stack of documents saying it was more than I expected, the Department of Energy tweeted him back saying, no matter what you write, it won't bring Barb back. Hashtag justice for Barb. The Department wow. of Energy said that. That's amazing. <laughs> wow. Is it any? Is it concerning to anyone else that they're only half joking this whole time? Well, like, right. y- you know, like he's saying, well, we do work in parallel universes. <laughs> you know, like this like super nervous, like un- unsettling laugh. And then when the Department of Energy sends over on a Freedom of Information Act request, 163 pages of emails related to the show Stranger Things, a lot of which is redacted with big black boxes, right? So they're so literally those are boxes that we're hiding something here. Right. Then they just play it off as a joke. It's like hashtag justice for Barb. What if we really are gonna bring monsters forth into the universe? Yeah. <laughs> but the other thing is, is did you hear about the Clinton campaign this week? Like the, in the WikiLeaks yeah. emails? Oh, oh that I got that's I got wait put a pin in that because that might come up in slices. Why don't you put a pin in that? <laughs> hey, in case you missed it, big news. Big news out of Hollywood. If you do not get to my slice, there is a new Nicolas Cage movie coming out, oh. and this one is his most bonkers yet. Okay, <laughs> so typically we don't play movie trailers, but this one warrants an audio-only clip, okay? The movie is based on a tr- uh, the true story of a Christian from Colorado deemed the Rocky Mountain Rambo by the media, okay? So this guy, he traveled to Pakistan in the early 2000s with a sword what? to hunt down Osama bin Laden. On in the Earth. movie, Russell Brand plays God. Here is is a clip of the movie. It's called Army of One. This is... Wow! What's up, man? Hello, Gary. God? I've got a favor to ask you, Gary. A favor? I need you to go over to Pakistan and capture Bin Laden for me. Capture Bin Laden? We're talking about destiny, Gary. Yes! You and Osama bin Laden. That's crazy. No, I have a lot to do. I'm planning and training. Hey, man, I don't want to be that guy, but I'm pretty sure you can't fail to Pakistan. I'm sailing! Oh, boy. Is this Pakistan? No, senor. Reason for visits? Taking care of business. Uh, TCB. So how do you like it here in Pakistan? Pakistan is very, very beautiful. I love America, so we're even. I love America, too. What's this? An American's at loose in the slums of Islamabad. Ah! He's searching for Osama bin Laden. He's obsessed. Hello. You afraid of anything? Does anything scare you? It goes on from there. Okay, the I real life re- guy, his name is Gary Faulkner. He became a like a controversial celebrity following all this, uh, even appearing on like David Letterman and The View and stuff. The movie's called Army One. It comes out November 4th and it stars Nicolas Cage. I, I mean... So it's supposed, to, it, it's supposed to be a comedy though? 
I have no idea. The genre, that's the thing. Watching the clip, I assume this is supposed to be humorous. I just find it a little disturbing. And the weird voice that Nicolas Cage is doing, this is the only time he's done a weird voice in his career. Trust me, Cameron and I recently watched 24 hours of his films. Because, oh. ex- except for Con Air. I was except say, for Con Air, he does a southern accent. Con Air, he goes in and out of a southern accent. I mean, that's the thing. <laughs> it's really strong early, then he forgot he was supposed to be southern, and then it comes back <laughs> later. He decided on shoot on day 15 of 30 of shooting. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Let's do southern accent. <laughs> you know what this character needs? Yeah. He needs a backstory. Yeah. You know? And then day 35, he decided, nah. <laughs> you know who I feel really bad for, besides the whole viewing public? Uh, Russell Brand. <laughs> yeah. I kind of felt like Russell Brand. Like, what are you doing? I thought he still had some gas left on the tank, but apparently he's playing God in a Nick Cage movie. So it's <laughs> pretty bad. Good luck, dude. I, in case you missed it this week, Lecrae uh, continued his racial injustice activism by performing a powerful spoken word song at the BET Awards. Yeah. It became one of the most trending topics on Facebook last week. It's a minute-long freestyle. He addressed not only racial injustice, but America's troubled history and his own faith. With lines like, they telling us, make America great again. I'm like, hold up. When was America great again? Uh, here, here's a clip. They telling us, make America great again. I'm like, hold up, when was America great again? Was it when they took us from our native land? Or maybe it was when they took the natives land. Let me be quiet. Nah, cause being silent is pitiful. It's something I never do. After Philando, man, I'm wondering where was you? They ask for your opinion, all you thinking is revenue, never do. I pray to God he make you a better you. Now I know, some of us, we don't know who we are. We too content with the gold and the cars. We got low self-esteem chasing dreams with a goal in our heart. But society then drove us apart. Look at us from selling dope to our own kind, to a dope rhyme, radio them played in motiles, paying mo dimes, to some industry exec getting checks from a private prison with the rap money he invests. Now, I know you like it. Is this rap is this gospel? Look, all you need to know is I was blind, now I'm not, though. Real, recognize, real. If they don't love me like Pac, they're gonna respect how I'm moving and then I'm never gonna stop. Because we was taken from Africa, sold and treated like animals, culturally denigrated and separated from families. But somehow we made it this far and stood firm with nappy heads and perms, led for two terms. Come on now. <laughs> Come on now. Come on now. That's awesome. Man. Yeah. So we've covered Lecrae. Obviously, he's sticking his neck out and stuff. We've covered, he's been on our cover. Um, I, I had never met him. And so last week I'm in Atlanta uh, for for a conference. I'm there with our Propaganda, one of our good friends. And Prop and Lecrae are like, like real close. And so uh, we were hanging out and then like Friday I was at this other meeting and Prop texted me. He's like, hey, I'm with Lecrae. You, you want to go to dinner? And so I was like, yeah. So I went and met up with these guys and we stayed out like all night talking. I'm telling you what Lecrae's doing right now, like how it's affecting his his career, like what he's doing as far as like stick, speaking out against injustice and like sticking his neck out. I'm telling you, it is affecting him. There is a price he's paying right now and it was, it was just powerful. It was an incredible night we had and just a vulnerable conversation. But man, pray for Lecrae. I mean, Prop, Prop is doing the same thing, but Prop is kind of known as a social activist. His, yeah. his followers want that from him, yeah. and he's lauded for that. And Prop is leading the way. And I would say Prop has heavily influenced even Lecrae's journey in this area. Mm. But like, so Prop is like out there. He's not catching the flack. Lecrae's fan base is middle America. Lecrae's fan base is the mom who's crying saying, I like, you know, Toby Mac and, you know, Third Day, and then she'll like Lecrae too. 
You know what I mean? Like that's her, that's a lot of his fans. And yeah. so for him to be saying some of the stuff he's saying, they're turning on him. Yeah. I saw people get weird when he switched over to a mainstream label, you know, Columbia. Oh. they're not well, even, well, and, he's still on reach. I mean, it's, he he still runs reach records, but yeah. reach is now distributed through Columbia's yeah, network. Right. So they have the power of a major label. But people are freaked out because it's like, I, Oh, he's, I see. He's not just in our little box anymore. No, he's, he's not. He's yeah. actually, I'm telling you, this guy yeah. is, is complex and deep and tall. Incredibly, incredibly <laughs> tall. Very tall man. So I'm walking around Buckhead, Atlanta, with Lecrae, who's legit six five and and like built like an Adonis, like a football player. Yeah. He looks like a pro what athlete. Think, and 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 prop, who's one of the coolest dudes you walk around with. These guys, long dreads, yeah, everything. And then cool. me, like, hi everybody. Like I just, I felt very like uncool. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like Nick Cage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'm telling you, I'm, I, I'm like, I, just getting to know Lecrae a little more. I am so in this dude's corner. He is in it for the right reason, and he's paying a price right now to stand up for what he believes is right. And uh, I, man, good for him. You know, well, good yeah. for him. It's having an impact too, because I mean, you look at a major television award show, and the, and the main thing that people are talking about the day after was uh, one minute on stage from Lecrae. Yeah. You know, like that—that's saying something. That's that's an impact. I like I liked just the the format that he used to. There was just no music. There was very little metaphor. He just walked on stage and said it, and yeah. it was almost like it was so raw. That it, that it just added a whole different level of power to it. It was, yeah. and he was like, commanded so, people's attention. It was so talented. Yeah. How can you be so interesting by just talking? I can't imagine getting up there and compelling people like that. I know that's sure like a you very can. set you were point. A pastor, you yeah. get up there and do announcements and take offering. I can. Well, yes. If BET needed me to do offering or set up communion, I would do a <laughs> heck of a job. But they wanted me to talk about like social. I want to do communion today with no background music. Yeah, they wanted me to make communion great again. My question is, when was communion great? Yeah. <laughs> Where's the gluten-free stations? Back far, back and far right. Grape juice or wine? It's your choice. I'm a rapper. <laughs> wow, I really. I, Eddie, I'm, a, I'm as offended as that offended as that Christian mom right now. I'm about to start crying. That's how the bitch guy. Go make a video, Jesse. I would like to say to Lecrae, if you are listening, I'm very sorry about what I just did. That was very rude. He might. He actually might be. He was asking me about the show, and he's like, I mean, I'm just getting into podcasting, and he's like, going to download it, and all of a sudden, props like props subscribes. So he was like talking it up, and he's like, man, you need to listen to the show for real. They and. I'm I was like, actually, we talked about your new uh, your new song with Leon Bridges this week on the show and yeah. whatever. So, uh, hey, 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 propaganda, hey, propaganda! If you ever need communion set up at one of your <laughs> rock and roll concerts, <laughs> let me know. My name's Eddie Koffeltz. Uh, <laughs> oh man, in case you missed it, I wasn't going to do this one, but I think we got to end on this note. Tim Tebow raised another person from the no, dead. We don't need to end on this note. So, you know, former former quarterback and current minor league baseball player Tim Tebow. Uh, recently found himself in the center of a dramatic situation following a game in Arizona. So he, he was uh, talking with the media and signing autographs, and then a fan fell down, apparently having a violent seizure. Tebow went over and laid his hands on the fan and began praying. So ABC 15 news reporter Kerry Von Horn said on Twitter, Tebow signing autographs, fan has what looks like seizure, not moving. Tebow puts hands on him and says a prayer, man breathes, wow, I just witnessed a miracle. Uh, another person on the scene um, who took video of the incident said on Twitter, Tebow prayed with my friend after seizure and stayed 20 minutes until the paramedics arrived. So that's two confirmed miracles toward his sainthood. <laughs> He's on his way. Yep. Uh, Father Timmy. 
Um, and also, real quick, a DC Talk reunited at the Dev Awards. Oh, How do we feel about this? Let me tell you, I've never gotten a tip on anything in my life, yeah. like a hot tip. Yeah. Uh, like, 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 like someone, like you got an anonymous call on your phone, and there was like close. a disguised yeah. voice on the other end, like it was I got a DM. <laughs> Hold on, has the Devil the Devil Awards haven't aired yet, but they were taped this. The Devil Awards have their parts of it have streamed. You can catch it on your antenna station for TBN. Uh, is this, it TBN? Yeah. TBN's airing it? Okay. Yeah, TBN's airing it on Sunday. Do you so, have to have your own special satellite for that? Is it a uh, dish yeah. that just gets the t- you just will, gets TBN? You'll need to get an antenna uh, so to get TBN. And they appeared to do a very emotional song. Toby wrote a song about uh, his the passing of his father. And uh, the guys came out. Kevin and Michael came out and did the song with him. I would have liked to have seen DC talk, but it was pretty good. You, so, so you, you t- did you, did you tune in live to see this Eddie? I was watching all of the streaming that was possible. Uh, it wasn't really possible, but DC talk official had some uh, live streaming, but yeah, I was, I was watching that last night in the garage as I was working. It was pretty exciting really? to watch. And I uh, will say, you know, I got a tip beforehand that this was happening. I saw a picture of the rehearsal. I texted I don't want to drop. This is your basically. I uh, went to a warehouse show in Bushwick, sort of thing. Eddie's <laughs> warehouse show in Bushwick is streaming TBN in his own garage. I, I'm gonna say I texted someone in the band. I don't want to. I don't. You wanna only get know into- one person in the band. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, um, pretty exciting news. So, in case you missed it, the band's back together. Oh my wait, wait, gosh. Eddie, I want to know what kind of, I've got a strong visual, but what kind of work are you doing in your garage? Yeah, what, do you, what are you tinkering with down there? I was, install, <laughs> I was installing a paddleboard rack on the top of our Honda Fit. Do you have a paddleboard? Uh, Bree does. And uh, so I was installing a rack for it. Took four hours. Eddie, I really night. wish your wow. response would have been, well, we don't have a paddleboard, but uh, <laughs> I think one of the barriers is not having a rack on yeah, our Honda Fit. You so, got to start uh, somewhere. Just in case. And that'll do it for. In case you missed it. Hey, oh, oh, oh. Stay tuned. <laughs> <Up> next, <laughs> slices. Separated. <laughs> I listening to scott the song is wolf at the beginning of the podcast you heard ten fey with the song turn all right it's time for slices what do you have jesse all right so uh as eddie alluded to uh and in case you missed it I almost blew my slice for me thanks a lot eddie really uh, uh, i know i'm so sorry i almost did too we're just really informed so a lot of you guys may have saw there was a big document dump by the organization, the rogue organization WikiLeaks. Love them. They basically, they, they got a bunch of, that's an interesting take. I, I, I want to hear why you love them in a minute, but um, they basically grabbed a bunch, took tens of thousands of emails from people affiliated with the Hillary, with Hillary Clinton's campaign and leaked them on the internet. It has all kinds of information. Uh, I'm sure you can see everywhere in the mainstream media what the implications for Clinton's campaign. Lame but stream. there's a story they're not telling you or they're not telling you enough. Within the documents were several emails between a former NASA astronaut named Edgar Mitchell. This guy's actually walked on the moon. He's part of one of the early Apollo missions uh, with Hillary Clinton's own campaign chairman, uh, John Podesta. 
Uh, and the mm-hmm. interesting about John Podesta is he only recently, in the last like two years, started working with the Clinton campaign. Before that, he worked as a high-level uh, advisor in the Obama administration. Mm-hmm. So this is a guy who's been in Washington for a long time. Oh, believe me. He's part, so of, the, the, he's part of the elite. He's part of the he's, establishment. Yeah, the establishment. He's, he's on the inside. He's yeah. on the inside. Uh, so Mitchell, this former astronaut, like I said, this dude isn't just any astronaut. He's one of the few people ever to set foot on the moon. So this is in these private emails. He, he asked to meet, he, he emailed Podesta and asked to meet with Washington officials, quote, ASAP to discuss government disclosure of extraterrestrial life forms and possibly using alien technology. Mm -hmm. Now here's where it gets interesting. If this wasn't (laughs) already a weird story, he also said that he wanted to uh, the meeting to bring us up to date on the Vatican's awareness of extraterrestrial (laughs) intelligence. So, 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 but I will say this, he's, he's been an advocate for this for, for years and years and years. Uh, but it seemed weird that he wanted to get the Vatican involved, right? Like right. that seems uh, like just like an out of the blue thing no, to ask. He saw the, I saw the Da Vinci Code. Right, the Vatican <laughs> is involved. He didn't want to get him involved. He just acknowledged what is real. Okay, so thank you for bringing that up because recently, this is this is earlier this year, this spring. At uh, one of his, me- this is in May. the The Pope said in one of his messages, just sort of, you know, uh, you know, pontificating as the pontiff does. Oh, clever! If, oh, I get if, that. You know, did you write that tom- beforehand, or was that just off the cuff? Because that was top a of the very dome, top of the dome, very man. clever joke, Jesse. <laughs> Thank you. So, if to he, this is this is a Pope, okay? This is a Pope. If tomorrow, for example, an expedition to Mar- uh, of Martians arrives, green men with long noses and big ears like children draw, and some of them come to us, and if one of them asks to be ap- baptized, what would happen? He said, "Who are we to close those doors?" Right. So here is the the Pope. Yeah. Right. Just just speculating about the spiritual implications of aliens arriving on Earth. That seems a little weird, and the timing seems a little weird, considering that these emails went out to someone within the Obama administration just mm-hmm. months prior. Interesting. The truth is out there. So, so shortly after... Uh, these emails went to Podesta. Remember, this is when he was still with the Obama administration before he took over for the Clinton campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, Podesta re- resigned from the White House. He, he, he left the Obama administration and said, I'm going to go work for the Clinton campaign. Uh, so it's unclear if these meetings ever happen. However, this is the final weirdest <laughs> note of this is all. Remember, this is a guy who worked in the White House and is not some... But it you all know, makes sense now with what you're about to share, Jesse. Everything yeah, so, makes sense. Yeah, yeah, because, because, the, because at this point, you're like is this just some former astronaut yeah, kind of crazy old man off? yeah yeah exactly yeah. like well, what is this even based on is he just hear something from the pope and figured the vatican knows something yeah so after he left the obama administration and he took over for the he currently runs the clinton campaign so this isn't a guy who's been like outcast in washington right he took to twitter to said that his biggest failure that's mm. his exact quote his biggest failure he's worked in the white house and this is the thing that he says is his biggest failure was once again not securing the disclosure of the ufo files Yep. And Hillary says she wants them released. I'm telling you, there is something in a vault somewhere that we need to know about. Seriously. And the Vatican oh, yeah. and the Vatican's involved too. Oh, they're involved. Wow. Jesse, do you know about the the one other person that was very involved in this and emailing Podesta that he wanted to get in conversations with the upper ups? 
I was gonna, I was gonna bring that up because I feel, but the only feel like the only thing is I feel like that uh, discredits the whole campaign a little because the former lead singer of Blink One Eighty Two is also involved. That makes it all make sense, Joy. Tell us because this puts a bow on the whole thing. Yeah, Tom DeLonge from Blink One Eighty Two is like convinced that this is all true he's like they he and podesto write back and forth about these things and and his those emails were discovered in this wikileaks release so hey if blink 182 says it's real and the pope i mean yeah what other demographic is left so so blink 182 you know they were popular for a while and then all of a sudden they they were silenced and i'm wondering if it's because he found out something he knew too much and and they got silenced they weren't silent they were silenced that was a great usage yeah yeah. So, like, because where did Blink One Eighty Two go? It's not like their pop punk riffs got tiresome or the or the taste of America changed. No, they were silenced. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, yeah. The reason the taste of America w- w- was changed is because Blink One Eighty Two stopped making music. That's right. You know, the tails wagging the dog. Wake up, <laughs> wake up, people. I, I love that. I love that Jesse didn't want to bring up the Blink One Eighty Two, and we should be specific. It is just Tom DeLonge. Um, um, he didn't want to ruin the legitimacy. Not. Not to be, but it goes deeper than just Tom DeLonge. There's others. You know, Dan Aykroyd has like a whole web series of interviews about him talking about how he really does believe. Uh, The whole punk scene was a rebellion against the establishment. And the pop punk scene of the late 90s, early 2000s was a rebellion against the silence of the truth. This is all well known. About the outer space. Yeah, you're preaching to the choir. And and their little house of cards that they've been building over the years at the the White House have been crumbling down thanks to to WikiLeaks and this heroic late astronaut and his effort. In one one of the articles, they did say, I think that astronaut was saying that he doesn't think that it's incongruent, or maybe it was the Pope, one or the other, incongruent with like our faith. Of course not. Yeah, so. yeah. The, the the Pope's whole point there to say is if, if when he was saying like who's to say who's to close the door to like baptizing alien, he was just saying like in that case like if something was discovered, which is a weird thing for him to like speculate about. Mm-hmm. But he was basically laying the groundwork for like, hey, listen, if you ever found out anything, mm-hmm. it shouldn't be something that would uh, affect your faith because who who are we to say what the limits of creation are? It was basically his. If you his listen to Blink One. Two's discography. It's all a cautionary tale, much like Vince Staples and Kendrick Lamar are doing in hip hop. It's a cautionary tale about, you know, being sheeple and having your eyes closed to what's really going on out there in the galaxy. And I'm just going to be, I'm going to be real, real honest right now. I'm going to be real honest. I'm going to be really honest with you guys. If I'm serving communion at a propaganda show and an alien comes up, I am giving it. I'm giving it. I mean, he's probably gluten free. You, yeah, you got a, a spot for that. No problem. Back left, back yeah. right. We got two gluten-free stations. Right. No problem. I will <laughs> serve Cameron. them. I will serve them him GF communion. Cameron, I'm glad you brought it up because I have actually filmed a, a pretty emotional YouTube video. That's not get very many. Like, it's been flagged a couple times because yeah. uh, I say been, some pretty. You have uh, to keep re. I say some regrettable it. things, but it's 11 minutes, and uh, I'm I'm weeping. I'm enraged. I lay out a lot of theories. Uh, so if YouTube unblocks that thing, uh, let's get it trending and uh, really blow the roof off this. Um, Did you ask propaganda about what he knows? Uh, no, I didn't. It didn't come he's up. In, he's in it now. Yeah. Him, Tom DeLonge, Alien. No one's safe. safe. No one's safe. It's Pro- safe. No one's safe. <laughs> all right. What do you have, Joy? Um, all right. Well, I have an article today that I want to first start out. We're obviously in the middle of political debates. Um, so have any of you recently gotten in a heated 
debate or argument with someone over politics. Hey, no. Uh, yes. I try, I try my best to avoid. I didn't it. get in a debate, but I got a little feisty this week on Twitter. Just posted a couple things. No big deal. And my favorite thing was someone replied, uh, why don't you have, it was something to the effect of like, have more compassion towards Trump. Saul became Paul. I was like, oh boy, I just, I just remembered I can't talk about this anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't vote for Saul, but whatever. And I mean, obviously like there was the town hall debate and that last question where the guy asked, you know, what do you respect about the other opponent? Yeah. Say one nice thing about you. Yeah. Yeah. And that really did shift the tone because the first question was something along the lines of like, do you think you're being a good example for our children or something Mm -hmm. that children that are viewing? And, but that final question was what actually I think set that tone. So there's some people that like, I'm pretty passionate about like, how can we have these conversations, not ignore it, not stay away from it, but do have this, you know, uh, public discourse and be civil about it. But then there's other people that are like, no, we need to actually like get fired up. Um, and so I was, uh, interested in this article. It's not even about the debates. It's about climate change. Um, but there's this woman who's really becoming this prominent voice. Her name's Dr. Catherine Exactly. Not by nature. Um, not cause I hate you. <laughs> Uh, But she's emerging as one of the nation's most effective communicators on the threat of climate change and the need for action. Um, She actually just recently appeared at the White House with President Obama and Leonardo DiCaprio. Now that guy's in the alien. And Chris Thiele and Blink-182. And probably And and an actual alien. Actual (laughs) actual alien. (laughs) (laughs) That's their son. I just want to. I just want to say this is the first time I've gone this long without you guys interrupting me and going off on a tangent. So this is this is a, a day to remember. It's not a tangent. It's truth. Continue on. <laughs> um, but have you guys heard of this? They're the they're doing South by South lawn yes. ideas. Yeah. So so she was there with Obama and DiCaprio, and um, she has become you know in prominence of this topic because she is just they say so darned nice and then for our canadian listeners i thought they'd appreciate this they said it'd be easy to chalk this up to her canadian background um she does it she does say that it helps her explain her commitment to finding consensus and she has found out that she gets her science across more effectively if she can connect with people personally um in a nation seemingly so addicted to argument as a blood sport she conciliates um and so on this topic she's from Lubbock, Texas, and she Woo. even was mar- she was working on her PhD on this topic, and she was married. And six months in fin- it, to her marriage, finished her PhD, and found out that her husband like didn't actually believe in climate change. <laughs> so oh. through the course, uh, he was like, "Oh, I just thought you were doing like research, but I didn't think you actually believed it." So she, together, they kind of started this dialogue where he just asked her all these questions, and then they actually ended up writing a book on this topic. But um, what's just interesting is that there's uh, this other guy who's a climate scientist named Michael Mann, and he said, you know, there's a time for debating the way that she thinks we should debate, but there's also a time for locking horns, as it has its place, too. Um, So, you know, taking, you know, having that combative nature. But she, like, she will not go on any news program where they want, you know, two scientists to debate because she's just like it just 
creates this um, conversation where I don't think people ultimately change their opinion. So I was just, I appreciated it, but I was also curious if you think like this, you know, fighting debate actually changes anybody's opinions or if there's, if we should push towards more civil discourse. Well, I feel what's interesting about that is I feel like that was the whole thing with like the going from like a a debate format to like a town hall format where it's like, oh, Mm -hmm. this is just a big conversation with everyone. But it just feels like, yeah, a lot of times people like when I'm watching the debates, I'm, you know, and nothing that is really being said is changing my mind. It just is watching for the entertainment value of two people you know, try to needle each other. So, I mean, I guess it's encouraging that there are people out there in prominent roles that are taking somewhat of a different approach than just screaming at each other like, you know, the ESPN first take. Well, and I also think that just the current level of uh, debate insanity has got to be sort of like on the edge of the bell curve of what is typical. Like, I, I think we're all just in awe because this rarely happens like this, right? Like, yeah, I, I saw a clip on CNBC the other day of the last presidential debate, which I remember watching and thinking like, Ooh, this is, this is heated. And it was just like two polite gentlemen having a lovely conversation. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, that's right. We're in the middle of just a particularly crazy thing. I, I think there's a, higher level of civility do you or do you think well it's what i hope but i i do feel like there obviously have been other you know uh there's been seasons where people have been awful and other cultures and things where it's almost like this i mean what what in parliament in europe did they used to just like fight like physically fight you know so maybe i don't know if we are at the worst that we've ever been, but it is mind blowing, mind blowing to me as a communicator that there is such a, um, a, a knowledge that literally people are just going to tune in, you know, maybe for five minutes to the debate and they're not going to watch the whole 90 minutes. So the, the communicators know they're like, I would rather not answer the question at all and say what I want to say, because that will ultimately have more push or power, um, than actually answering the question and trying to come to some, you know, yeah. like healthy point of, debate or rhetoric. Well, we'll be able to uh, kind of cure what ails the country in our next se- in, a, in a couple of segments yeah. when we do our yeah. town hall <laughs> town hall debate to the reckoning. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean, this is really if you're undecided about anything, prepare to have your mind made. We're going to chart a new course. We're going we're gonna to model the positive way to engage civil discourse and debate. I I I'm, am going to be screaming. I'm Let me just say to, that. I'm yeah, I'm not saying I can practice it. I just have a hope for it. I'm going to t- I'm going to personally attack Jesse. Yes, his <laughs> and things that I know are yeah. off limits for the show. Yeah, I'm going to talk about his children. Yeah, I'm going to talk about Dana. No, I would never sweet Dana. I'm going to talk about allergies that Eddie never wanted mentioned on this show. <laughs> and everyone's going to know personal personal medical records, Eddie, and it's going to be humiliating. You- <laughs> I'm gonna listen, Eddie. Here's hey. here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna tell people what terrible things happen to your insides when you eat a banana pepper. <laughs> oh, you're in for it, friendo. Oh, friendo. <laughs> hey, friendo. All right. Uh, what do you have, Eddie? Well, hot slice off relevant uh, caught my eye, and um, I wanted to talk about it because, um, well, that's what we're here for. I've lived it. So yeah. a study came out, and it was a co-branded study by the Leadership Network and the Vanderblom and Search Group. They do um, they do a bunch of uh, like searching for ministry jobs. Yeah. So they looked at the salary trends of over twelve hundred churches with a regular attendance of five hundred or more. So those are pretty big size 
pretty yeah. big churches. Your uh, typical suburban kind of mini mega yeah. church. Yeah. yeah, but 500 kind of hits that point yeah. where they've got a, yeah, a good a, size. They have budget. a youth ministry. They have, yeah, I mean, they have, they, they might have right. a, a. They probably have hired an executive pastor yeah. at they a They have point. some vans. Oh, yeah. That are branded. Oh, yeah. They got an administrative assistant, <laughs> Debbie. Yeah. Debbie. Yeah. Debbie, send out my tweets. Debbie's the best. Yeah. Debbie's, De- Debbie's been yeah. there a long time. Debbie, yeah. you have any more of that Chick-fil-A sauce? All right. <laughs> Get some for me and Tyler. Bring it in. Yeah, right. I, li- I like Cameron's frame reference. Like a church has arrived. Like a church ha- has reached like a healthy growth point where they have at least two branded vans. Yeah. That's <laughs> right. I got to tell you, I'm going to someday, I just know it. I'm going to go back into the church, but I know it's going to be a smaller like parish church. Uh-huh. But even if it's 35 of us uh-huh. in the middle of nowhere, we are getting a van. No, and 35. I'm, you can't support the, the no, upkeep of a van. We keep up. a van. I'll have you come to the church. Just buy us a van. We'll wrap the whole thing in relevant, right? But I want a church van that the kids, you know, draw stuff on the windows. And oh, I have yeah. to yell at them at the end of the middle right. school retreat. And then, and then you're driving back from from Nine to Joy, and you got to flip the lights on, do hand check. You know? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. The, lights, the, the, the dome lights come on. Dome light check. Dome light check. The lights, <laughs> the lights stay on. I'm gonna have a. Oh, plant. the lights stay on. Oh, I got a kid yeah. in the back who's a plant. Yeah, I'm paying that kid <laughs> okay. an airhead an hour. Okay. to rat out. So send me a text up front. Yeah. I got it all figured out. Father Coffles is gonna Father take care Coffles, of it. Debbie's kind of. She's, Molly has she's fallen a asleep on Ryan's shoulders. Molly has fallen asleep on Ryan's shoulders. Uh, <laughs> I'm pulling over. I'm gonna casually get gas. Everybody potty break. Everybody out of here. Yeah, Molly. Is can anyone else confirm that's ever was in youth group or has ever done anything with involved in volunteering at a church there is no worse smell on earth than a church van after like wow. a weekend at it some is, camping thing. it is absolutely or, or after um a laser tag that's the worst oh it's just <laughs> sweat and cheetos and middle hormones school and, and horn. body spray yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is cameron eddie's very comfortable with van upkeep he would just pull it in the garage and tinker away with oh, yeah. the double i would going. turn on i would turn on devil <laughs> live stream and work on that van for hours. <laughs> this van could hold at least five paddle boards on yeah. top of it. Yeah. No, just gotta, gotta get you, know, you know what? It doesn't really need to. I really need to get the transmission working right uh, if I'm going to be hauling these kids around. The brake pads uh, scare me a little. But I think we'll go ahead and saw some paddle board racks just in case we get a donation. I have no reason to believe anyone's donating seven yeah. paddle boards to the church. Right. But, uh, I don't, want, I don't want to be caught. Yeah. I don't want to be caught unprepared here. If we're, we're going to bring 36 <laughs> people into this church, we got to we got to get some paddle boards. Paddleboard ministry. Uh, so yeah. they looked at the budgets of those staff, and uh, there's a it's a big study, and there's a lot of numbers, but um, it was boiled down nicely here by whatever uh, Yahoo wrote this for relevant. But uh, it was it was Jesse. Yeah, Jesse wrote this. It found that 49%, uh, on average, 49% of the church's total budget goes to salary and benefits for the staff. Um, and uh, with 98% of the church's total budget comes from the money that the congregation gives. So 98% of it is coming Where from... Where would the other 2% come from? Uh, probably like land holdings or different like, uh, like income from rental properties. Oh, okay. So, uh, but generally, all the money comes in from tithe. Right. Half of that money pays the staff um, found that 54% of churches give bonuses to the senior pastor within 12 months uh, and only about half around 50 52% spend more than 10% of the budget on ministry outside of the congregation. So only wow. half spend a tithe's worth of their revenue doing missions and outreach. So the way yeah. they say it 
at church is that they tithe on the tithe. So whatever comes in the door, yeah. 10% of that, we're not even using for anything here. It's That's the going, missions budget. It's going outside. But if you think about it this way, if you stop and think of it outside of percentages, let's say a 3,000 person church right. has a $5 million budget. Is that about right? Yeah. So let's say that that's two and a half million dollars are going to the staff. The staff is probably, I would say around 40 people, 25 of them are full time, maybe less, but it's pretty healthy staff. But I mean, it's still how many, how many church vans in this scenario? Yeah. Oh man, endless <laughs> church fleet. vans. How many Chick Fil A lunches do they write? They off? get a, they get church vans every week. So two and a half million dollars a year is going to the church salary, and for a full time staff of twenty five with twenty five part time. Yeah, right around, and then which is okay. Everybody's being paid. Now we can talk about past what pastors are paid in a second. Well, well Eddie, there's one more number that uh, maybe you can reference it there. I'm going on top of my head here, but yeah. th- there was a very small number of churches that were comfortable disclosing details of staff salaries to people in the church that are giving donations. Yeah, they won't say uh, specific. A lot of times churches will say like, oh, we have total financial dis- like disclosure and they do, but it's not like, you know, Pastor Strang makes X m- number of dollars a year. It would say pastoral yeah. staff or something. They would, say the staff budget and they'll say, you know, it's about 51%. Would, would, uh, but that's been the magic number in church. By your observation, is there a common uh, kind of marketplace and ministry? Like if there's a company that was a $5 million company with a staff about that size, the CEO would be paid mm-hmm. pretty well. Mm-hmm. And would it be comparable that a pastor would be making what the CEO would have made? Uh, but, 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 but real quick, that's the question though, right? I mean, like, should a church be run like a business? Like in turn, and I'm not saying it should or shouldn't, but I think that leads to a question of, you know, is our model for how we run large churches like, like the model of how we'd run large businesses? Well, no, because churches are tax-free. So what gets interesting here in all of this is that, like, let's say your pastor makes, let's just say you're paying him or her 100000 a year. Okay. Right? That's a really generous salary, but but it's not unheard of for a pastor to make 100000 A lot of senior pastors of big churches make much more than that, but let's say it's 100000 they also get a ministry allowance and tax exemptions from that. So everything, every bite, a bit of their home, they get to write off. So basically, they end up paying very little in taxes because their entire life is written off by taxes or paid for. So the, so, C- the CEO who makes 100000 35% tax rate, right. income taxes, all that, he's right. bringing home 60, 65, 60. Right. Right. And you're saying that the pastor making 100000 is going to bring right. home 95000 Right, because you, when you look at the salary, if the salary is 100000 usually there's a parsonage allowance. There's benefits on top of that. Their salaries, their actual total, the, the package of what they're making is sometimes twice as much. That's how a staff income can burn through 51% because churches pay really well. Do they really? Well, how come how come the perception is like if you're in the ministry you're broke? Is it because you're the middle school pastor? Because you're because you're a middle school. Yes. Okay. Yeah, but but aren't three thousand person churches kind of a a rarity compared to the average size of a church in the country? Like they're not. Most churches are not running a five million dollar budget. But let's let's say you're a five hundred. Let's say you're a five hundred member church. Your budget's maybe one million. Yeah, and two vans. Yeah, and t- <laughs> oh, well, you got a lot more vans than that at five hundred because you got an old t- lady. T- you got to get the tinkering budget in. Yeah, you got to get the van that paddle has board, the paddleboard racks. You have okay. the low step in for the older people. You got a lot. I'm not saying it's 
wrong, but I'm saying there is a huge amount of money that goes to the church staff. And I, I personally, and this is me really, I, I have a hard time with it because when you're paid so well by a church, granted the job is really hard, right? But yeah. well, isn't it like the people sp- in church ministry, like, like I was at Catalyst Conference this past week, and it was like for a lot of church leaders. And somebody sent next to me, it was like, you know what's crazy is to look at this room. There's 5,000, 4,000 leaders here. And statistically, within five years, 80% of the people in this room will not be in the church ministry. Totally. And it's because it's so hard. It the is, burnout. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's so hard. And because you're fully paid by this, you become, your, your job isn't, pure anymore. Like you can't get up there and preach about what's really on your heart. And I'm not saying get up there and talk about politics, but I'm saying yeah. you, they need to be you, unleashed. Is what if you're you saying. talk about something unpopular, <laughs> all of that, all of that compensation unshackled. is attached to that. Unshackled. That's what it is. Right. Sorry. Cause if a quarter of your church leaves, you are that, that is a huge yeah. amount of staff loss. And so you're either taking a cut yourself or you're firing all of the, the administrative help yeah, or, Debbie. The, or the middle school. Sorry, Debbie. Debbie, sorry. Nobody's going to... It becomes... <laughs> I really... The idea of... Sorry, Debbie. Deb, I got unshackled Deb. and offended half the church. The idea, we got to let you go. But the idea of tent making as a way to support yourself yeah, as yeah. you lead a church seems way more in line with actually leading a bold, progressive church than having a church that is paying half of the money that it brings in. Plus, you think okay, about... Real, real quick, Eddie, yeah. just for people that maybe not get that reference, tent making is a reference to... Paul doing something professionally aside from just ministry. That's right. That's yeah. right. Sorry, I'm sometimes too holy, and I forget no, no. that. Yeah, yeah, I got you. No, but but did you? Sorry, did you, I, I'll let you. Well, I also just feel like the resources of a church can be used so many different ways to influence and help and be just uh, just kind of the center point of goodness, right? Like they can do so much good stuff with that tithe money. The fact that half of it is basically paying the staff that essentially the staff's job is to keep Sunday and programming happening. It just seems... But that's ministry, isn't it? I mean... Yeah, I mean, I I struggle because I feel like there's such a difference between... I mean, it makes me sick when I see some mega churches and mega pastors with their, you know... Gucci outfits and things of that nature. So if it's an excess, I I totally get it. But I also feel as though there's so much um, burnout because you've got, you know, a pastor, you know, trying to support a family of, you know, three or, you know, three kids or whatever. And it's just like you to add that financial burden on them, because I don't think all of them are like, oh, yeah, and I get to, to write this off like senior pastors. Maybe that's a different thing. But I I do just feel as though there are a lot of churches that are really struggling because people actually maybe half of the, the donation or the tither is giving away because people aren't tithing that much, you know? Um, yeah. I, oh, yeah. I, I don't know. I well, I don't know the stats, but I just feel like yeah. it's more of an issue with big big mega churches. Yeah, relatively uh, small percentage of yeah people actually. What, get. what is it? What is it? I mean, from your ministry experience, don't, you don't remember? I don't remember. I've I always been curious because I, I do the math. I'm sitting there going like, wow, counting all the heads, ten percent of what we all make, man, yeah. there's crazy money in this yeah. room. And I then I, I, I say that, that to a pastor, and they're like, seriously, it's like one percent of people give like two percent of their income. Yeah, you know, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, there was something. I all I know is that one time we did the actual math of what would happen if everybody gave ten percent, yeah, and it was like thirty five times the current right. giving. Yeah. So it's it's really crazy how under, no, I guess not underfunded, but 
under-resourced. People, yeah. people don't typically... People don't follow the biblical model of 10% tithes. Generally, yeah. yeah, they don't. And if you don't, and you're listening to this right now... <laughs> Shame. 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 <laughs> no, but, uh, you know, I think the other interesting point in this is like, you know, I, I don't think there's any of us are obviously suggesting that like, if you're in ministry, you take like some sort of like vow of poverty or anything and that, you know, no. workers do as wages and, you know, people uh, need to be compensated for their time and be able to support themselves. But when I when we initially like posted this story and I shared it on social media, I saw so much feedback of like, well, why are you even reporting this? This is divisive. This is just going to cause issues. I think it highlights another issue is that there needs to be some level of transparency because we are all involved in the church. And, and just because we're talking about it doesn't mean we're, we're automatically taking like some sort of, uh, you know, critical position, but it is something that I feel like we can't be, I can't be too delicate to talk about. I mean, we're all yeah. part of the church here and people are going to make judgments whether, you know, people disagree or not. That's, that's one thing, but we can't be off limits because it's delicate. And that's like a lot of times when you get talking about like what people make in ministry or church salaries or what should or shouldn't, what's too flashy or what people get defensive where I feel like the posture should be more open because ultimately it's that closeness and that lack of transparency that I feel like turns people off from the church, especially when yeah. it comes to sensitive, delicate stuff like money. That's one of the reasons why I'm such an advocate for uh, the organization Charity Water, because Scott Harrison uh, took on uh, head on the fact that, you know, our generation millennials are, are, are skeptical about giving and they're skeptical about even charity organizations. Like where does the money really go? What impact is it really having? And it seemed like a lot of smoke and mirrors. So he started his organization to say, we're going to put it all out there. You're going to know where every dime goes and a hundred percent are going to do this and we're going to report on it and accountability and transparency is going to be our calling card and it's yeah. thriving and it's been difficult. It's not the yeah. easy road to go. And he's, you know, kind of, man, if I had to do it all over again, I mean, mm -hmm. that was a big decision and commitment we made, but I mean, that's why people are connecting with what they're doing. It's yeah. like, there's such a desire for just transparency. And you know what? If it costs money to pay Debbie to do support services for the staff, great, man, Debbie, then pay Debbie, anyway, but like Debbie. a workman is worthy of his hire, but we don't have an issue with people making an income from ministry. Just no. let us know yeah. what's, what the purpose is and that the resources yeah. are going where you yeah. say they are. I will say this. I will say this. When I was on staff at a place that I was asked to install some paddleboard racks, <laughs> they, I don't know what I'm doing. I didn't hire anybody for it. I was going about 85 on the interstate and I looked up and the paddleboards are long gone. I don't know where they were. I don't know what kind of accidents they caused, but I had, I had over a dozen 15 you. foot long paddleboards with oars that when I hit a certain speed, I don't know what it was. They flew off and I can't be certain no one was maimed by them. There were, I'll say this. There, what, what, what's the most concerning thing is I was driving through a pack of motorcycles when I'm pretty, when I'm pretty sure they flew off. And they, and they, and let me say this, they had really sharp fins on them. So I did, I, you know, I, I, I got out of there. Obviously it was like a shark. Uh, no. I, I couldn't look back. I couldn't look back, but, uh, clearly that all was that to say is that he sometimes you hire people well. if you don't know how to install and I, or if they're, you know, be, because I, like I said, I was pushing, pushing a pretty dangerous speed. And I think about it a lot, actually. Um, I think I heard someone yell, but, uh, <laughs> um, you know, I don't like to revisit, but, uh, since you bring it up, uh, you know, I, I do some ministry. It was a scream. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was a really bad. He, he, he yelled, the paddle boards are coming off the van. And, uh, 
I, I mean, it, it was back. it was at least it was it was. <laughs> the thing is, when they come, it was twenty five motorcycles all over. Like, the place. <laughs> so there's no way. There's no way they fly like they a helicopter. It. Is the thing yeah. when they when they fly off a van, they fly like a helicopter. You think it's going to be weird, straight? What's weird is they even though the van is pretty high off the ground, they're flying head level. So I don't even. Yeah, it's helicopter head level. All of a sudden, it's yeah. Uh, I, I I obviously it was a gruesome, uh, pretty gruesome. Obviously, scene. I couldn't look back. And there's I just a whole stretch of there's a whole stretch of seventy five that still just gets diverted because they could never quite figure out. Yeah, I mean, how to clean well, it like up. at that point, what am I going to do to help? I'm the one who caused this problem, but I'm just going to. The last thing they need is a van pulled over. That no. who knows what else I haven't fixed. They're just going to, you know. So I just I just got out of there. But uh, you're right, Eddie. Pay you know, pay pay a guy if you got the budget. Pay him. Pay a guy. In yeah. close. Had you been making a hundred thousand dollars, maybe those motor that motorcycle gang. Oh, in so 75 heading north out of Eldasta would have uh, would have still been with us today. Yeah, I mean in, in hindsight the the bungee cords I used seem pretty dry rotted that I found in the back of the church shed and yeah. it should have it should have been a red flag. And you only we used to get new ones. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you only used one per board too and that was a big mistake. <laughs> big mistake. Yeah, I used one for the whole thing. I just spread it really thin. I mean, I was it was hanging by a thread. I knew once I you knew, got up in speed well, that was going to happen. There's no church but, budget uh, for bungee cords cuz all the money was going to the staff so mm-hmm. you know man debbie but yeah. debbie go get us some bungee cords debbie's been there 35 years and gets an annual raise every year so oh, I mean, yeah. she's she's 15 percent the total budget herself De- oh debbie knows but but also you can't replace debbie because no. debbie comes in at three in the afternoon with her little pudding cup yeah she knows exactly what you need but she's the only person who knows everything about everything about everything for the church debbie where's the uh and she just Done. hands you the piece of paper she That's knows it. it where's the keys for they heard it yeah yep. where's those old dry rotted bungee cords <laughs> <laughs> debbie we're gonna have to set up a memorial for 15 motorcycles <laughs> ASAP. You got this? Get us flowers. We're gonna, it's gonna be a heck of a to do. I'm, I'm gonna drive by where I think they flew off and throw the flowers out. It's the, honor, it's the honorable thing to do here. Man, oh, Debbie. Man. All right. Well, that'll do it for slices. Stay tuned. Up next, Chris Thiele joins us. listening to Bastille. The song is Blame. This album is full of podcast-ready songs. <laughs> Lots of energy. Good. Well, this week's feature interview is brought to you by a new sponsor, Uniqlo. Uniqlo is the, uh, offers the latest women's, men's, and kids' clothing and accessories. You can check out some of the clothing on Uniqlo.com and talk about items you like. It's U-N-I-Q-L-O. Uh, Uniqlo's approach to clothing is simple with a not-so-simple purpose to make your life better. This winter, you can uh, stay warm with their line of heat tech clothing. You can choose heat tech for regular winter wear and heat tech extra warm for those really cold days. I need all of that. Undershirts, tights, socks, scarves, hats, fleeces, and even pants that fit seamlessly into your everyday life. Uh, Products fit slim and not bulky. The moisture-wicking fabric retains heat and also features anti-odor properties to keep you feeling fresh even when you sweat. Camellia Oil Moisturizer adds comfort for dry skin. This, this is, is amazing. kind of awesome. Yeah. Uh, you can check it out now. Go to uniqlo.com, U-N-I-Q-L-O.com, or find a Uniqlo store near you. That's uniqlo.com. Lifewear. Simple. Made better. 
they opened a huge new Uniqlo here in Orlando, and I was in it a couple nights ago. It's one of those multi-story big stores. It's awesome. That's that amazing. Is cool. I kind of want to see it. Good. It's yeah. like it's got that modern sensibility kind of like like Japanese design kind of mixed yeah. with like I- Ikea and Target kind of uh, style yeah. and but really good uh, price good high quality clothes it's great for the whole family it's kind awesome. of like a lot of like basics like American apparel style right just yeah. without the you weird said they ads have kid yeah. stuff yeah they have kid stuff yeah we need we need yeah. uh, we're gonna do a winter run soon for the kids I'm I was it. gonna say this is the perfect time of year to like check out uh, uh, like a clothing company like that with like the weather changing you're gonna be buying new clothes anyway yeah that's that's cool I'm excited about this I'm, I'm pretty much cold 97% of the time, so I'm going to get the whole line. <laughs> Chris Thiele is a member of the critically acclaimed bands Punch Brothers and Nickel Creek, and starting this weekend is the new host of the iconic public radio show, A Prairie Home Companion. For more than five decades, the show has brought its mix of music, comedy, literature, and social commentary to more than three million listeners every week. We recently talked with Thiele about how the show will change the kinds of artists that fans can expect to hear and the role that Faith will continue to play on the show Here's some of Jesse's conversation with Chris Thiele. Well, listen, man, I'm really excited to hear the new era of Prairie Home Companion that you guys are working on. Thank you so much. I'm excited to I'm excited to deliver it to you. Yeah, it's uh, October 15th, right? coming right up yeah right around the corner do you feel pretty prepared i think you know as prepared as as one can be for such a for such a thing it's live radio so anything can happen yeah you know there's there's only so much you can plan for <laughs> which is part <laughs> of what i love about it um but you know as far as, as the song of the week I'm, I'm gonna i'm finishing up a little writing chore uh extracurricular writing chore uh, sort of, sort of um, get the music up and running, and 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 have an eagle ear out for um, for any any songs that might be in the in the air. Yeah. Um. And um, you know, I, I, we have a lot to work with right now. It's fall, fall, man. It's it's harvest time for for the arts as well. I I feel. I think there's something about this time of year. Um. It just makes makes you want to make something. Yeah. But man, the guests are in order. I can't wait to hear Jack and and Lake Street Dive and um and our spoken word guests. We just confirmed for the for the premieres. It's this very very funny Irish woman named uh, Maeve Higgins. I, man, I love how the Irish turn English into one of the Romance languages. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's like I get to make music and 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 then uh and then direct traffic on this on this um you know these two hours of of uh, of variety it's it's fairly idyllic state of affairs for me <laughs> it is it is a really cool and really unique uh you know gig especially in today's media but the you mentioned jack white and i know you have uh, a bunch of great artists um nathaniel ratcliffe and the uh, night sweats are coming up which the the thing yeah, that jumps out to me about those two bands is a lot of their uh you know fan base tends to be maybe a little bit younger i, I think prairie home definitely has like a lot of young fans but are there other bands that you would like to introduce to the current audiences and maybe to bring in some new ones? 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's um, this works both ways. I mean, you're absolutely right that you know I, I'd say Jack and Nathaniel, for instance, have audiences that may be largely unfamiliar with our with our little show. Yeah, and uh, conversely, uh, our existing audience now. Jack has reached a point in his career where where you really have to be living under a rock not to know about Jack. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, uh, I mean, that said, there's still, there's still some of our audience who will definitely be introducing Jack to. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and and certainly Nathaniel, I love the two-way street aspect about that, that this, this show has been growing up with Garrison. You know, Garrison was my age when he started the show, even a little younger. Oh, wow. My parents were in their early 20s when they started listening. So they grew up with Garrison. You know, they, they, yeah. they, they grew up, they introduced it to me. And I've continued to listen, but not, not everyone my age has. Uh, and certainly not everyone my parents' age got into it, although, you know, a lot of them did. Uh, and, and it's just whether it stuck with you. I, uh, having set off onto a, a, a musical path, an, an, an acoustic one at that. The show remained relevant to my life, maybe in a way that it, it, it didn't for some people my age. Yeah. And now, while while uh, you know, I don't think Garrison was pointedly addressing people his age or my parents' age. I think we have an opportunity to to just just through the fact that uh, I am 35 and and am am trying to interest myself in the width <laughs> and breadth of what's available. Um, you know, uh, in terms of audible entertainment in the world. So something like Jack is really, really interesting to me, but so is, you know, the National Bluegrass Band still interesting to me. They're, they're, yeah. they're uh, Prairie Home stalwarts. But the doors the doors are wide open to anything good. Uh, anything good. I You know, you know, if I can lure uh, someone like Anderson Pack onto the show, I mean, <laughs> you can bet I'm going to, you can bet I'm going to do that. Radiohead, um, but you know, Randy Newman, golly, give it, you know, please, yeah, uh, so on and so forth. I mean, you know, the, the great pianist Emmanuel Axe, for instance, would be such a such so wonderful to have on the show, or 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 someone like uh, Mitsuko Uchida. You know, I mean, I, I really think that part of the joy I could even imagine, like if you if you heard Mitsuko playing Schubert. Um, and then, and then you heard Anderson Pack laying the, you know, like that that opening track from his new record. I mean, I I would find that contrast thrilling, and I oh, think, it'd be incredible. I think there's a way. I think there's a way to present that in in, in such a way to where uh, to where it, it is equally thrilling for an Anderson Pack fan and a Matsuko Uchida fan. <laughs> I think. I think that that's that's how I envision the show moving forward. And Garrison and I have talked a lot about that. And and of course, the spoken word element will will continue to be integral to the success of the show. Yeah, uh, I think that swirling that swirling dance of music and just the human voice talking to to you. Uh, I think that 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 is so powerful, and the music makes you want the comedy and the comedy makes you want the music and you know as a as a as a pretty constant musical guest on the show i've always found the environment that garrison created to be kind of as flattering a context for music as could possibly be imagined yeah. and uh, if if the show were to become exclusively a musical variety show it would lose that. It would. It would. It would be less exciting to hear music if that's all you were hearing. 
and uh, and so um, you know these spoken word guests that we're that we're having um, that's, that's that's so important. We're we're retaining the the, the radio acting company. We we've secured the help of a few new writers. You know, I think a lot of people don't don't know that Garrison actually wrote almost every word wow. that they heard on the show. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> almost every word. <laughs> Occasionally, he had a little help, but not much. I mean, we're talking well above ninety percent. Wow. Um, and and you know that which brings up another thing of that's very important to me, uh, which is which is that I am not looking to to do what Garrison did and to replace Garrison Keillor. No yeah. one could do that. He is one in a billion. And trying to host the show in the same way that he did would, would uh, that's a, that is a recipe for disaster right there. Well, one thing I always enjoyed about the show, and it kind of goes into what you're saying earlier with the show having, you know, this creative seasonal feel, you know, um, mm-hmm. where, where different seasons would bring one thing. And it could have been, oh, yeah. you know, Garrison's, um, you know, upbringing, but the at different points bringing in like hymns with like the liturgical calendar. And even, you know, when yeah. they did their final show, he, he they, they did at the Coliseum, they did a hymn. It is faith and religious music and hymns. Do you still see that playing a part in the show? I do because it plays a part in American life. Um, and, and, you know, Garrison found a way to to make that inclusive because he was constantly also questioning religion, you know, but, uh, uh, it, it still factors heavily into life. And there, there are uh, American life, uh, anyone's, anyone's life because of, of, you know, the, the, it, it being an undeniable part of how, of what, uh, what formed America. Yeah. So we all have a relationship with it in some form or another, whether, whether we're atheists or, you know, born again, um, you know, or, or, or Muslim or, or, or Jewish or, um, everyone has those questions. Atheism, of course, is its own religion. Uh, even agnosticism is, uh, if you get to the point where you're naming it, um, you know, you, you have a, you have some belief there. Yeah. <laughs> I think it is all about, it is all about, um, belief in things that can't necessarily be proven. And I think that's, that is to be human. And, and I love it. I love it. I, you know, I don't know what religion means to me anymore. And I think, I think increasingly in our day and age, people don't, people don't really know. Uh, often where they stand. Some people do, and I think that's wonderful. Um, you know, as long as they're not pelting their former, their, their fellow man with where they stand, yeah. uh, I, I think that's great. Um, and I do think that, that things like, I think the show that Garrison created, I think Prairie Companion itself has a church-like role to a certain extent. It, it, it comes on from 5 to 7 on Saturday evenings. It has always been geared towards towards families uh, as a whole. And there's this communal aspect, the seasonal aspect of things. This is what it's like to be alive right now. There are issues that we're all dealing with. We're, you know, here in America, we're all, you know, we're just enveloped in, in this, this very intense election. Um, and we, we both want to talk about it and want to escape from it. Yeah. And I think that a show like Prairie Home Companion is uniquely situated to be of service in times like that. 
we can provide a place to escape from the cares of the day, but also to hold them out for examination and ultimately celebration. One thing that I always appreciated that the show did, whether it was talking, you know, whether it was their references to religion or the humor, there it was everything seemed to be handled with a sense of reverence and there was no cynicism, which is just so refreshing, I feel like. I agree with you, and I, I feel like some people sometimes, you know, Garrison can be kind of sardonic or something like that, but he is not, ultimately, Garrison is... In my opinion, he, ultimately, he is a lover of things, not a hater of things. And I think that was clear, like in the way that he would describe, um, you know, biting into a summer tomato or in the way that he would sing one of these hymns, you know, whatever he thought about the faith of his youth, um, he respected the idea of faith in general, of, you know, of all faiths uh, and, and all beliefs. And I think... Um, ultimately believed that that human beings are capable of great good and are and are looking for it, are looking for the good in the world. If there's anything I I would like to continue doing, it's it's that. It's it's providing a a, a soundboard for the for the good and beautiful things that people make for each other. Um, you know, in that in that search for uh, for meaning. You know, these, these songs that we write, these stories that we tell, the jokes that we make, they are born of this, of this uniquely human impulse yeah. um, to, uh, you know, to care for one another and, 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 and to please one another, thereby, I think, extracting some meaning out of, out of all this, some, some definite meaning, like, uh, you know, this isn't nothing. This isn't nothing like that. That this beautiful thing that you made. This is something. This means something. I, maybe I don't know what exactly, but it means something. And 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 here it is. And thank you. And I love this. That was Chris Thiele. Make Love sure, him. Make sure to check him out on the all-new Prairie Home Companion starting this weekend. I had a keeper He helped me warn the ships at sea We had grown closer Till his joy meant everything to me And he was to marry A girl who shone with beauty and they loved each other And with me watched the sunsets into night And the winds crashing around me And the sand slips out to sea And the winds that blow remind me of what has been You're listening to our our last guest. It's Nickel Creek uh, with the song "The Lighthouse's Tale." Okay, so earlier in the show, you got to meet uh, Rebecca Flores, our new managing editor, and, oh, nice. and we, you know, in this segment, not we have a new debate coming up, and uh, we we're bringing on to the show Chelsea Steele, 
who who is who has just joined our team as content producer. She's going to be doing a lot of the social media, a lot of the brand and voice and personality stuff. If you follow us on Instagram, uh, the Insta story, Snapchat, Snapchat stuff, all the stuff that you're going to get to know Chelsea. But uh, while we have a, a like an actual thing coming up in a, in a couple minutes, uh, before that, we wanted to get to know you. Welcome to the show, Chelsea Steele. Hello, listeners. Uh, we we uh, we want the audience Hot to get start. to know you. Long Tell- time listener, first time caller. So happy to have you. <laughs> she uh, when she when we first met her and started talking about the opportunity, we're like, hey, we have this podcast you should listen to. So she's been catching up on 11 years of podcasts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> really no fun. pressure. You all are really enjoyable. Between us girls, how many of you really listen to? Um, probably the last 10 episodes. Okay, that's enough. Yeah. Right, yeah. like you're good. I've had enough yeah. of you people. <laughs> I think we're good to go. Yeah. You, you've, been, you've been living in Nashville the last few I years. Have last four years. Yeah, and people may know mm-hmm. you because of uh, Instagram phenomenon that's been happening. These shirts that you've seen, uh, LaCroix over boys. Yes. Uh, are made and was originated and made by Chelsea. It is true. It's Hello. her thing. Did you make a lot of different shirts or just you just just the one? Yeah, I lived in a house with five girls and we bought LaCroix as much as any other household item that we needed. (laughs) Right. And I made the joke one day, like, who needs a boy when you have LaCroix? Nailed it. Nailed it. (laughs) So you've started a T-shirt company with one shirt. Yeah. And it did really well. Well, LaCroix LaCroix picked it up. Yeah, LaCroix loved it. Bloomberg Business Review happened to write an article about the stocks rising in LaCroix and they used my stock photo. That no way! Yeah, yeah. Wow. that's awesome. That's really Business amazing. Insider, that is. a lot of big ways. Are you like super nervous about the next idea? Because like you really is it going to be like <laughs> soda it's over Diet Coke? Hoda. Diet Coke ain't no soda joke. Soda over Hoda. Yeah, no way. Hey, it's Kathy Lee I on the shirt. I would take Hoda over soda any day. You would take yeah. Hoda over soda. One hundred percent. Oh yeah, Hoda totally. has a, some super, and I'm sure you know this. Some emotional. We talked about this on the show, but mm-hmm. she's she has got like a death emotionally inside of her. She's <gasps> she says things like I. Want to cry, but I've never seen her cry. Totally. But are you worried your only customer is Kathy Lee at that point? I'd buy us <laughs> Hoda over soda. Hoda or soda, soda over. Yeah. <laughs> I've uh, got I've got things. Bubbles over bros. Good one. Topo Chico well, over Chicos. So, but you're sticking is basically the bread next over line. being dead. <laughs> right. Is the next li- is the line always going to be for you? Drink over this other thing. No, Uh-oh. I'm. I'm you looking some, to move You have some forward. new ones. Yeah, I've got some new ones. One says gal. Yes, I have. So my company that owns LaCroix Over Boys is called Hey Gal Pal, and it's about supporting other women in business. So I make sure it's that say support your local gal pal. So that's great. That seems good. Do you have a theory about why? Because I love LaCroix, and all of my female friends love mm-hmm. LaCroix. Why it's such a phenomenon for women? I do. I think... It's a vice for soda. A lot of people who don't want to drink soda for whatever reason drink carbonated water. That was a nice little <laughs> sound bite. Diet Coke. That was, di- that was no me joke. drinking a Diet. Are we being sponsored right now? Yeah, Diet Coke yeah. over. Uh, Mm-hmm. You'll get it. Okay. You just workshop that. <laughs> Diet Coke over blokes. Oh, I'm, I'm not nailed joking. it. Diet yeah. Coke over blokes. For our uh, European listeners. <laughs> oh, that's, good. <laughs> no. that's a nice one. Yeah, I don't know. I think that's why I started. I got on my kick when I did the whole 30 last summer. Oh, you mm. did? Of course you did. Yeah, I don't have a dad I lasted six summer. days, Chelsea. <laughs> did you You made it six full days? That whole, surprises yeah. me. The whole yeah, six. I, made, I did the, the whole, whole six. six. And I got to be honest, everyone tells you how great you're going to feel. I felt like death was moments away. Maybe it's because you punctuated it with your evening. Baskin Robbins run. <laughs> like your body just basically was dying. 
<laughs> yeah. All right. So enjoyable. we are excited to have you on the team. Your creativity and Thank entrepreneurial you. spirit will oh, yeah. uh, be here. very valued here. I cannot wait to be a part of your lady shirt company. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I and I did want to keep talking to you about LaCroix for like 10 more minutes, but we'll move mm-hmm. on. Yeah, we're going to move on. Okay. So a lot happened this week. And uh, namely the town hall debate. We felt like there was unfinished business. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we thought we should go to you. Chelsea, being the voice of the people and the moderator, uh, went on Twitter, went on the Roman Podcast Twitter this mm-hmm. week and asked you guys for your questions for the town hall debate to the reckoning. These are the questions that Ken Bone didn't have the courage to ask. And so That's right. here, here they are. Kenny. It's time for town hall debate to the reckoning. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, oh, wow! Mm. No, no <laughs> clapping, please. Not welcome, please not hold, accepted. Please hold your applause <laughs> for the end. Viewers have been streaming it on Twitter. Kiki is dumb. Wants to know what is your policy in place? What do you plan to do about the clown problem? Oh, the clown epidemic. It's funny. I actually emailed both Eddie and Joy uh, my, some of my plans about this clown problem, but they <laughs> deleted them because they're good good at deleting emails. You're going to jail. Both of you going to jail. Um, uh, please, please hold back your anger. You have about five more it seconds. It doesn't matter with their position because they're going to be prison as soon as I'm in power. <laughs> First of all, moderator, um, thank you so much for your question, um, yeah. for being a model citizen, yeah. and for just caring deeply about our democracy. My position has always been since the beginning that the fear of clowns has nothing to do with clowns, but it's the fear that we hold within ourselves. Mm. We are the ones... I think I've lost my train of thought here, but we inside of us, the change needs to happen to us within society. Can I get, can I get a word in here? I have this brought is, this is in the gallery the are five clowns from Jesse's past that has absolutely, that Jesse has paraded uh, off into this absolute hypocrisy. Moving on to our next question. Thank you. Uh, wait, wait, what about me? What about me? Is it- Do I not get my time? Joy, you have five seconds to respond. Are you 30 seconds? She gets 30 seconds. I get 30 seconds. Joy's Nader. Third party right here. Joy, Mm -hmm. continue. Um, I would just like to, you know, calmly note that both Jesse and Eddie did go 30 seconds over each. Whatever. (laughs) I'm not going to make a stink about it. I might also like Kiki is dumb to know that I am making eye contact with her right now and nodding my head. And I just want to say that right when I get into office, I will personally reach out to Bozo the Clown and we will together travel the country and just (laughs) rebrand this negativity that's around. Thank you. My time's up. Lying. Awesome. You can fact check this. <laughs> we are. We have you fact can, check streaming live right now. EddieCoffolds.com. You can fact check. We're going to have a big tent. <laughs> Wrigley Brothers pay for it. Okay. Um, at Huge Ship wants to know. Classic. Classic. Back we, in August, um, Burger King released their Whopperito. And so we want to know what your stance is on the Whopperito if you think that the Whopper is using their burger privilege to cross over into making burritos now that tacos and burritos are cool. I will build a wall um, around every single Burger King that does not allow any Whopperitos out and does not let us go in because this is not the America that we want. Burgers stay burgers, burritos stay burritos. How are you supposed to get your Burger King burger if there's a wall around it? Hey, hey, I'm going to make Burger King pay for it. (laughs) I don't even I don't even have to what? think about details. I I um, am more that, of a fried chicken guy. I like to eat it with a fork and a knife on a plane, and uh, <laughs> I don't have, I, I don't need weird. Oh, I am for I am for traditional fast food. 
<laughs> traditional, fast traditional fast food. Oh, that's good. Uh, uh, at tra- Huge Ship, I would like to um, just thank you for that great question. <laughs> and I just want to say that for the past 30 years, I have actually been working to bring burritos and Whoppers together. So I am all for this happening and I will continue to champion uh, Burger King to this end. Thank you. Uh, I would like to say that I actually wrote a fantastic book. Great book. People need we to read this book. We love to hear all about it, Jesse, but we're actually meal. out of time. Hey, do so. I have to, do I have to People need to check it out. Art of the all Meal. Right. All right. Well, you know what? <laughs> art of the Meal? <laughs> Clever. Clever. You know what? I get it. It's five against one here. So go ahead. Finish your debate. Just go for it. Do whatever you need to do. Sad. Last question. Sad. Sad. The, the viewers are dying to know... Um, as, as well as America, really, is there anything at all that any of you have, have to say respectfully about the other? I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to start. Um, five years ago, I said, I called the viewers, and we had a private conversation, and I said, in no uncertain terms, no, I don't have anything nice to say about the other two. I've said no that I don't have anything nice to say since the beginning. It's been very, very clear that I've never had anything nice to say about them. I have never said I do have anything nice to say about them. My position has always been no. I talked to Sean Hannity about that. <laughs> if, there's, if there's one thing people know about me, uh, it's that I'm, I'm, I'm humble. Everyone oh, says I got that. One. I like Joy's husband. <laughs> well, thank you for that. Yeah, I w- on that same note, I was going to say that I um, the thing I respect about uh, Jesse and Eddie is that they both have successfully Liar. sired two children each <laughs> and kept them um, wrong alive. Fire. <laughs> I, this is very helpful. I was really this. I think finished the conversation that America was wanting to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, that mm-hmm. we were cut a little short last week on the ninety-minute format. So I was glad we were able to add this. Thanks for yeah. thanks for moderating this, Chelsea. Thank you did you a great job. Chelsea, great job, Chelsea. Chelsea. You did a really really good job. You you wow. you made the podcast great again. You are a great <laughs> you, American. Yeah, you made <laughs> podcasting great again. <laughs> All right, that'll do it for. Tunnel debate two. Directing. I think that went well. All right, stay tuned. Up next, feedback. Fine, I'm gonna need you to forgive me if I seem too vulnerable. What you believe matters. You what you value matters. So where you bank should matter too. Every dollar you put in a bank or credit union is used for something. And at Evangelical Christian Credit Union, your money is only used to support Christian ministry that aligns directly with your values and beliefs. At ECCU, every dollar you spend or save is supporting ministry like loans to churches and banking services for missionaries. Ask yourself, what does your current bank do with your money? If you don't know the answer or don't like the answer, it may be time for a change. Visit www.eccu.org to see our competitive checking, savings, credit cards, and auto loans. That's www.eccu.org. Or call 1-800-634-ECCU to learn more about how your money can build ministry. You're listening to Tao Laos, 
too lows? I don't know. How would you say that? It's, t- it's too lows. T O U L O U S E. Tau Laos. There you go. Uh, the song is So I Know You Care. Okay, it's time for your feedback. Uh, no corrections and apologies this week. Uh, you two probably will be next week. Yeah. Uh, last week, uh, <laughs> we got talking about, I don't know how we got on this, but if hypothetically you were able to just kind of land on an extra $20,000 and you weren't allowed conditionally to use it for anything responsible, uh, <laughs> what would you what would you spend your $20,000 on? What frivolous item would you spend your 20, 20K on? You guys went over to the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. You also hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast with some of your ideas. Now, I'll just say, you guys are going to read some. I'll just say 99% of them were they're going to buy goggle stock. So... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, PC Walker said he would buy everything he could from the Holy Land sale and put it all on Outreach Mag's lawn because those jerks have it coming. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. Your move. Your move. Outreach. Uh, Someone said they would buy 20,000 pairs of Curry 2s on eBay. Are they going for a dollar now? Because that's... I I would buy... Buy low, sell high. At least 10. Yeah. Yeah. Addison said... One whole shopping cart of groceries from Whole Foods. <laughs> uh, I like this one. I would build a sweet tree house, a hobbit hole, and an unnecessary secret passage involving a sliding bookshelf, spiral staircase, and hidden room. That is a fantastic idea. That is a fantastic idea. And, and, and the and the painting is, and a painting with the eye holes poked out. <laughs> uh, Danny said obvious, and this was you know the obvious answer is with the twenty k, I would get dental surgery and add a third tooth to the front of my mouth, just like Nick Jonas who has three front teeth. <laughs> <laughs> when I, hey, when I was in Montana, I don't know how it came up, but his name came up, and I was like, I was like telling the guys in, in the car, I was like, you know, he has three front teeth, right? And they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like everybody knows this, and so I googled, you know, Nick Jonas teeth and uh, showed it around and like it was like one of these BCAD moments in your life when you see the the one two three picture for the first time there's no going back you can't unsee it you know Spencer said he'd buy 20,000 he spent $20,000 on an auction to put uh, uh, thrones in the podcast room to really class up the joint that's right (laughs) we got one we just fill it. Uh, Jeff said he would he would take the twenty thousand dollars and he'd fly him and Eddie in a helicopter to land on the DC talk cruise. No tickets needed. I'm pretty sure there's plenty for sale, Jeff. So you can just spend your twenty thousand there. Yeah, they've been saying they get the presidential suite. Whoever's doing their marketing, it's like, uh, hey, for six months you can't say we're almost sold out. Only a few rooms left because they keep saying that. I'm like, hey, you're not all sold out. Oh, yeah, a- Andrew Andrew said that he would spend twenty thousand to fund an indie film, much like Crazy Heart or The Wrestler, about Gallagher's Twilight Years in a comedy. Let me just say, Andrew, <laughs> that's a terrible idea. You don't want to spend a lot of time with that man right now <laughs> <laughs> because he just holds the 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 huge uh, smasher in his right hand. It's called a, a mallet. Mallet. Yeah, sledgehammer. <laughs> Having a hard time with uh, real basic words today. All yeah. right. Well, there's a lot more ideas and we like all of them. Uh, it's time for this week's editorial question of the week. Hey. Well, it's uh, the middle of October. We got two weeks till, till Halloween. Halloween's on a Monday this year, which is weird. Um, but it got us thinking about Halloween costumes. And we get and, started on that. And what, what are you going to be this year? Do you know? I am going to be just a podcast host. <laughs> Once again, I'm going to be three front teeth. <laughs> 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 so you're going as Nick Jonas. Yeah, exactly. Well, no, I'm just going as his three front teeth. Yeah. 
his. I'm gonna uh, me, me and three, me and two friends. <laughs> oh yeah, he's going as a tooth. He's a tooth. I like that. Yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah. Eve and Lucy yeah. are gonna be Lucy's gonna be a ladybug because of course. Uh, Eve is gonna be <laughs> Gabby Douglas. Oh the, the, yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, she's That's got cool, yeah. she's got her whole outfit. She's ready to go. Really? She's basically Gabby Douglas every day. That's awesome. Practicing flips, getting her hair right. She loves it. It's gonna be great. That's great. That's great. Uh, we want to know for this week's question of the week: your best, most clever, most memorable Halloween costumes that you've done now, or maybe you have a great idea for this year, and you want to and you want to share that too. Yeah, uh, we're all ears. But we want to hear your best Halloween costume stories and ideas. And, and I really want to hear it because I'm still undecided. Well, just. <laughs> Go as Ken Bone, like everybody else. Yeah, uh, he, he's gonna be. I mean, a red sweater and glasses, and you kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty funny though. It is. Yeah. 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 Until you show up but at you, the Halloween party, and there's 17 other Ken Bones. Yeah, there. there's a bunch of Ken Bones there. All right, so hit us up on Twitter <laughs> at Relevant Podcast, or you can post your uh, best Halloween costume stories, um, past, present, or future, uh, at the podcast episode page at RelevantMags.com. Uh, many thanks to the show's sponsors for making this episode possible. Remember, at Casper.com slash Relevant, you can get $50 towards any mattress purchase, and then you can uh, use promo code Relevant and get that. And also, thanks to Uniqlo. Go to Uniqlo.com. That's U-N-I-Q-L-O.com to find a store near you. Yeah. And uh, Uniqlo Lifewear. Simple, made better. It's Halloween in Lake Wobegon. Thanks to our guest, Chris uh, <laughs> Thiele, for joining us. You can follow him on Twitter at Chris, uh, T-H-I-L-E, uh, Thiele. And remember, his first show as a new host of Prairie Home Companion airs on October 15th. going to be great. Um, and uh, <laughs> thanks to uh, Chelsea and Rebecca for saying yes to our employment offer. Love and, you, And uh, showing up and playing along with us. <laughs> uh, I look forward to uh, getting them more and more involved on the show. It'll be fun. Yeah. And, uh, and remember, if you like the show, go over to iTunes and tell us about it. Uh, post reviews there. It helps the show's visibility and we appreciate it. And while you're online, go over to relevantmagazine.com and subscribe to the magazine. The new issue is out now. And if you subscribe today, uh, there's some special offers going on for the uh, holiday season. So check that out. On that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Eddie Kaufholtz. <laughs> Jandler Strang. I'm Joy Egertreed. I'm Jesse Carey. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't try to one-up his on, uh, Garrison Keillor. Mine's so much better. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll see you next week. <laughs>